Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. has just reached 90 minutes but before we go into the football let's go ahead and look at the lighter side youtuber dying llama one hell of a name has sparked con- uh, security concerns after breaking into both arsenal and west ham home stadiums re- with relative ease i think watching the video itself the uh, youtuber dying llama actually said that the most difficult part was getting into the stadiums and then after that everything was relatively easy looking at some of the footage you can actually see him opening doors that were unlocked to go into certain areas of the pitch he even was on the ledge of the Emirates Stadium, just looking down, looking like if he was going to jump or something like that. He looked like one of those daredevils. It's quite remarkable. So, seeing all of this footage, I was thinking, what are your thoughts on, on these lads and, and their deed? Jeff, what do you think? Well, it made me instantly think of the 80s hit Sliver. Excuse me, early 90s. <laughs> Dated myself even more. <laughs> so, Sliver was all about getting access to the security cameras, Sharon Stone or follow up to basic instinct. And they could look at all of the craziness happening in the building. That's what I'd love to do. So instead of like getting into offices and other places, I mean, I love these guys. It's hilarious. (laughs) Can't get enough, but it gets better. Once you get into the security cameras, you can like zero in on people eating like weird shit in the stadium. Cause you know, that happens (laughs) like nacho cheese on stuff where it doesn't belong. And you know, (laughs) People creep in for the autographs and whatnot. So I want to get to the cameras and look at the videos and just sit there and eat popcorn. <laughs> All right. Q, what, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, these guys and their uh, their video? Honestly, it kind of makes me laugh because like everything, as you were saying, was, was like unlocked once they got in. And it, it makes you think because it kind of makes sense. Most people, when they you know lock houses and things, they go, everything else is unlocked. Eric. It's like, who's going to get to the front door, right? And Clearly, I'd be going back to the tapes to find out, you know, what janitor didn't lock the door, you know, or it's probably, it's probably the same guy who messes everything up. They're just like, I don't think Barry's an English name, but they're like, dude, did Barry leave the door unlocked again? It's like, probably there's these dudes running around our stadium. It's like, ah, uh, and, and it's like, are all the doors open? It's like, why do we lock all the doors? It's closed. It's like, if the front door's closed, no one locks anything. So, no. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, it's pretty funny. I, I think it would have made a little bit more sense had these uh, had Dain Lama and his friends actually had gotten into Anfield because everyone knows how easy it is to break through that uh, final back four of security, right, Jeff? Oh, <laughs> especially recently. Now with Dayhan. Sad Dayhan. joke. Sad face. <laughs> Dayhan's my hero. Dayhan is uh, terrible. Let's move on, guys. I think uh, I think with that we're officially in stoppage time. As we head into stoppage time minutes. Welcome to Stoppage Time. I am your host. I am Jimmy, and I am here with a couple of panelists again today. Our third person dropped out before we actually eliminated them. I, I, you guys are just the cream of the crop alongside Nick. So I'm very happy to have Jeff with me from Talk On, from Cafe Football. Jeff, how are you doing? And uh, Milk Box, to be determined. Who knows? Might go missing someday. Good to be here, Jimmy. Just all over the place, Jeff, and we love it. We love it. And we have returning panelist Q. It's been quite a while, immersed in his other football world, American football. 
uh, coaching and actually winning a couple of trophies, something that Everton hasn't done in quite a while. So, uh, Hugh from uh, Quickside Conversations, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, back from a long month and uh, glad to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, you for coming on. We we really appreciate it. So, with these two lads, we're going to go ahead and uh, just go into the Weekend Roundup. It's the Weekend Roundup. Let's go ahead and start with the first game that I want to talk about here. Man United versus Spurs. It's good to see for Man United supporters, that's why I'm going straight to Jeff, that uh, Jose seems to have finally gotten a win under his belt. Like, a big win. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts here? Well, it starts with Mkhitaryan. After weeks and months off, finally getting back into the side. And Jose, like, loves to compliment himself for the absence in the lineup and him on the pitch. So he gets back on, he's at home, gets the one game-winning goal, and then in the 85th minute goes off in a stretcher. So it's like, boy, that was awesome. And Jose back, and the team in a better run of form. They've Over the last five, they're undefeated. So definitely seems like they're coming out of some of the doldrums that they were struggling with in the early in the season. But Anyway, that, that's Jose for another day. <laughs> Rhymes. So Tottenham, the exact opposite. Um, they've lost three and only won two of the last five. Um, weak in Champions League, weak in domestic cups, weak again here today, and hurts their chances heading into January. But who knows if with all of the stadium remodel and attention on fiscal discipline, whether it's for financial fair play or other reasons, I don't even know if they'd be buyers in this market, but looking at this specific game, you had certainly no presence from Kane, from Son, from Deli Alley up front. They were totally missing. In the back, uh, Vertigan and Alderweireld, center back pair, had an off match. Bad time to have an off match. Danny Rose and Kyle Walker on the edge were picking up for the slack. Many had Walker as man of the match for this one. But unfortunately, no attack. Good defense that the entire Premier League knows super well. But they didn't have the teeth going forward, and Man United did. So there's your result. Yeah, and it's a big win for Man United and Jose. Q, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, I mean, it is a step forward for Manchester United, like like a decently strong one. And, yeah, a step back for Tottenham. I mean, it doesn't get any easier for them in their, you know, I mean, because their two wins weren't against, you know, the world's hardest opponents either you know Swansea's already changed the coach this season though you know I hope Bradley turns it around for him and uh and beating West Ham who sadly has been kind of you know a dud this season so far as as my previous post I always end up referencing West Ham and yeah it's, it was just kind of a, a dud on their end for sure sure so far but I mean one of the losses was to Chelsea lately and they drew with Arsenal so I, I guess I might come a break but uh yeah they got one more hard one uh, against Liverpool, and then who knows? Maybe they can get back to form with, uh, you know, Stoke, who's been my biggest disappointment in sports this year. I was, I really had high hopes for them, and then they got Hull, Burnley, and then I think Southampton's their next big game where they can kind of test where they're at, and if they kind of get back to form in their next few before that. Um, for Manchester United, I, uh, it's no, I'm not a big fan of either Man- Manchester team, admittedly, but um, yeah, it is, it is kind of fu- fu- funny, you know. I, I haven't been able to follow Man, Man United lately because I'm not a huge fan, but but here Mkhitaryan's been out and then he gets hurt again, even with a win that can't be encouraging. And and the problem <laughs> with them always is gonna, at least at least until they struggle for like ten years in a row and change owners or something, they're always no matter what are going to have this perception where they have to be fantastic. Because I mean I feel like eighty five percent 
probably 90% of professional soccer teams would kill to have, you know, their current league status right now or where they're at in the table or to have this many fans. It's just that brings a lot of pressure all the time. You can't, you can't be in sixth place in the table with the money they spend and the prestige they have. You know, like I said, in, unless four, unless Southampton and Stoke win the next 15 Premier Leagues and they get on an even level with the big four or five or six that are in this league. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of sad. It's almost like an, an unnecessary pressure. Like, that's why I'm surprised they got everyone they did. But I don't know how convincing it is with Tottenham's struggles. And Tottenham's added guys this season that seem like they're still getting used to the base guys they had last year they were successful with. Like, you see names like Sissoku, who, who had a great summer, and, uh, you know, Winks. And these guys who are playing over, you know, like in this game, at least we're playing over, you know, uh, Dyer and Wimmer and such. And it's just... It's inter- it'll be interesting to, to see how they come together the back half of the season because right around now is usually when someone like West Brom or Leicester last year they'll say you know this back when this is the time here where some of the good teams are struggling and some of the bad te- historically bad teams are really good and then they flip flop by you know April and so that, that that'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what Pochettino does with this team you know through Boxing Day and kind of when there's the next international break and when it's like hey we got to go now if we're going to make a run at this it'll be interesting to see. Both how they and Manchester United fare, but um, uh, Tottenham still has three po- points on them in the table. I actually feel like there's more optimism there because they're usually known as the lovable losers, so they have they have less pressure and less going for them. I feel like. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know what? Knowing uh, Pochettino and his pattern this season, he will probably rest his players during the busy Christmas season so that they could be ramped up for the next part. So. Let's move on to the next game, guys. Chelsea versus West Brom. Q, since you've been on, Chelsea has just turned into this monster. And they actually had to win against West Brom to uh, regain their lead at the top of the table from Arsenal, who had won over the weekend prior to Chelsea's game. Key, what are your thoughts on Chelsea-West Brom? It is nice to see Chelsea come back into form. Growing up, that was the first real big club I watched in Premier League soccer back when I was, you know, kind of a, an American football, as you put it, meathead for all I years. When I got into soccer, two things kind of did. FIFA and a guy two doors down who was a huge Chelsea guy. And I come over and watch them early in the morning. So it is nice to see them back up there. I'm not, you know, I miss guys like Lampard and Drogba compared to, you know, Diego Costa and some of the other characters I'm not huge fans of. But I like seeing them up high. I like seeing that West Brom is, at least competes, competed with them. You know, Costa to score, I'd call it late. I mean, but I guess, you know, it's in the last, back end of the game there. I always like seeing West Brom compete. You know, they've, I don't know if they've been relegated since, you know, those days of 2004. They're always just hanging around and, you know, they play tough and need to play tough but yeah Chelsea is back in the fold it seems like Costa is completely back in the form and not getting a bunch of yellows or should have been reds and struggling and hurt like he's kind of been you know on and off the last season and a half so yeah I mean it's a strong 1-0 win because West Brom I feel like it's always tough that might be the best way to put it they're always tough they never really win games they just get a lot of draws but there's not much to add it was kind of a cut and dry game right I mean you know, it's a 1-0 game so I mean yeah, specifically for the game, I don't have a lot, but for the long run of the season, I think, you know, I think it's a strong, it's a strong win for Chelsea and it's a good thing to build off of going into the heavy holiday season. That's true. Jeff, your thoughts? Not that dissimilar from Q. So coming in, another tight one at Stamford Bridge, West Brom were undefeated in their last four coming in and Conte led defense ruled the day. Uh, that has become a formidable spine. <laughs> All the way up through Costa, who, as Q mentioned, is in tremendous form, along with Hazard. It's like, if I was Conte, I imagined him after the match just wrapping both of them in bubble wrap and putting them in a freezer somewhere (laughs) for the next week, for the next training. 
because they're so dependent on both of those for their frontline attack. But Costa netted his 12th. God bless him. He's continuing the run of form and another uh, win in a row. I can't remember what this is. I know they've won their last five, but I don't know how many of this is in a row. The, their pace is frenetic. I can't imagine it's going to sustain for the balance of the season. But for right now, for Chelsea supporters, pretty fun to watch. And then on West Brom, had a very capable game. They Winning four, they could have had a chance in this one. Pulis, his style is unmistakable. He sits back. He defends more and tries to counter teams to get lucky in the end. But unfortunately, wasn't lucky at this one. And, you know, the result shows. Yep. And... But like like you said, if you're a Ch- and, and like you said as well, Jeff, if you're a Chelsea supporter right now, you're loving life. But any anything happens to Azard, anything happens to Costa, anything happens to anyone in the back line, you could be seeing a completely different team. We did see Chelsea, you know, go through a small lull. I think they almost dropped out of the top four, but you know, right back on it. So, it, Jeff, you you always like to mention that teams, top teams, always go through uh, go through tough periods, and and Chelsea's just preserved through there so just one extra thought on that so yep. they of course struggled with their form for switching to the 3-4-3 formation mm-hmm. so they've had a little bit of their ups and downs at the beginning of the season but yeah this run of form you'd have to think that it's going to slow down at some point or who knows maybe we'll end up with 15-16 Leicester City which <laughs> good transition into the next topic eh? all right yeah let's let's move on to the next topic Leicester Man City it, it seems as though the champions have found their form if if not uh, permanently at least temporarily and against the most unfortunate victims which is uh man city and and pep guardiola which we seem to have a lot to talk about jeff your thoughts please well this was a uh, vintage 1516 leicester city city manchester city i've got to you know because we've got two cities right. in this match kind of <laughs> delineate manchester city was way too content to you know, and the quotes that we're going to get into in the postgame presser later, which just exemplified this, they got beat up. Uh, they were trying to get too cute and played right into Leicester City's hands. I mean, there was down, they were down three nil in the first ten minutes. I mean, this is crazy. It's like you know, you wanted Leicester City the path they were on. They're only performing in Champions League and forgetting about what happens Monday through, or every weekend in the Premier League. I think what you saw last weekend was, you know, they could be just as capable in the Premier League as they have been in Champions League. And that means, you know, bad stories for all the teams pursuing top four and championship in this one. So credit to them. I mean, the exchanges between Mares and, and Vardy and Vardy netting two in this one. Oh, you got just, a hat trick. You got a hat trick. Yeah. Excuse me. So, yeah, there you go. It's just more more of the same. I mean, it just looked amazing at, at high speed, and uh, Pep, unfortunately, didn't have a lot of answers for it. Right. Q, your thoughts on this game? Um, I like that it's continuing to not break the illusion, because he is a great coach, but I've been... I, it's, <laughs> if you've listened to the other episodes I'm on, uh, I know you guys know that I'm not a huge Pep guy and like he's the best ever kind of thing. I feel like he's always walked into good situations. And this one, he's had to build a little bit, because there's a... Not that I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue which leagues are better in this and that. I feel like the most balanced league though is in the Premier League because, like I said, West Brom plays tough every single person they play. It's not like you know, 
a Mallorca or like when we talked about Balotelli before uh, yesterday, you and I, Jimmy, we talked about, well, where's he playing? He's playing in, you know, in France. It's, mm. there's something about this league that gets competitive. And when teams are riding a high, like Man City was, I think the last time I was on, they've kind of hit some tough times. They've still won games, but they've struggled against bottom table teams. And it, 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 it kind of, it's not cracking illusion, but now we'll finally be able to see how Pep reacts to something. Cause I know he's had pressure from Dortmund when he's at Bayern. And he's had pressure from the from the other two, you know, huge La Liga squads. But I mean, you've got Leicester, you've got Arsenal, you've got Liverpool, you got Tottenham, you got Man City, uh, Man United, and Man City historically against these teams across the board has struggled. And in the last few years, even those teams always compete with them. It's not they walk away with everybody, and then they have two hard teams. I mean, it's it's always it's always hard. I mean, and then you know the team right now is making terrible passes. Like one of Hardy's goals was he just stole it. Bravo hasn't been as great of a signing as, you know, as they had hoped when Joe Hart's probably laughing somewhere right now in northern Italy, you know, and <laughs> it's uh, from their end, at least it, it, it's it's not it's a bad spot. It, you know, it just it gets them further from the top of the table, just like Man United. It puts it puts pressure on them to really start trying to make things happen right now. And I know they have that hellish like. Uh, you know, a few days turnaround, I, th- I think, coming up last I read. I might be wrong, but I thought they and Liverpool were the ones who were drawing the short end of the stick with, with you know, tight games back-to-back coming up. But, I mean, yeah, they haven't been overly impressive, I don't feel like, since since being Barcelona in the Champions League. And then since then, you know, you tie Middlesbrough, you beat Crystal Palace by a goal, you tie in the Champions League again to uh, – I'm not even going to try that, but uh, – but, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, a Bundesliga team. They only beat Burnley by a goal. They lose to Chelsea. I mean, yeah, they're winning games, but it's just, it's not on the level that Man City, unfortunately, a 1-0 game against someone like, like, you know, Crystal Palace or Burnley, it doesn't work for them anymore since, since they've been sinking money and they started winning Tosian. It doesn't work for them. So it, it'll be interesting to see what Pep does at this point. The winter transfer window's coming up. Does he, does he get rid of some more Man, Man City guys people are used to to try to freshen things up? Does he just, tell everyone to relax and ride the storm out it's a bad part of the year and good teams go through bad parts like jeff had said um or or what it'll be interesting to see what he does and uh, lester just super quick it's nice to see a return of form because because yeah because they have been struggling bad i mean they had a bad loss to porto in the middle of the week they lost to sunderland last week who i think is still is is not even in relegation danger they're at like the bottom of the barrel still even with a win against them you know within they had an own goal in that game which was ugly but um, what was nice about this game specifically for them with so many struggles around is it shows the hustle might be back. You know, Vardy's goals, to, to, at least that one, that's a pure hustle. Though. They only had the ball. To, their, their time of possession was 22%. That's back to their counter wheelhouse. We're going to, we're going to let teams do what they do. We're going to kind of sit back and wait for it. And then the second they make a mistake, we're, we're going to cash it and, and freaking use hustle and grit to, to score goals and win. And, you know, they won the Premier League and, did that for 38 games and they're showing that they can do that again against let's say a high caliber players and it's a high caliber team they're in the top five in the premier league still. Well, you, so you know what's what's interesting q is that we've been talking about here on stop time for a while now lester's chances in, in the champions league after after the group stages because they've actually won their group and this is a good example of what a, a european coach that's not used to the premier league could could underestimate lester what do you think jeff really quick well, he's underestimating the rest of the Premier League is the point, and we're going to get deeper into this later. But yeah, yeah, he's unfortunately trying to play finesse style, fast forward football without doing the the basics of blocking and tackling, tackling literally. Right, right. Again, but, but this this just for me, it just 
gives me that much more hope that we might see a nice a nice run from Leicester in in the Champions League in in the knockout stages. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Got it. Well, yeah, that's very possible. Oh, back to my prediction that they win win everything. Well, yeah, yeah. So cute. Still alive. Uh, Jeff mentioned a couple of episodes ago, and just right now again, that he, uh, whether at just pure cheek or not, that he 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 could see Leicester winning the the Champions League. Where, where do you think Leicester ends up? Honestly, I I think they can make a great run for the Champions League, and <laughs> you don't want to give up on. Well, you don't want to give up on this season yet, but literally Chelsea has double the points. So yeah, I mean, no, no, Michael, they're not, not going to win this season again. But yeah, that's well, the Champions well, League. They're putting well, everything in the Champions League, which is well, fine. Right, so if I was, yeah, so I'm not going to use last names after earlier. But if I were Claudio, I'd walk into the office <laughs> and go, two two things we got to do. We need to make a deep run, if not win the whole damn Champions League. Number one. <laughs> Number two, we can't get relegated while yeah. we try to do it. So that would be the mindset I'd have. It's like, let's try to finish mid-table and then make up for it by by balling out in the Champions League. And, you know, even if we don't win, if we beat Real, Mad- Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Bayern in a two-leg stint and get to the final and we just come up short a little bit, it's like that's still, you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it a win. It's not a big season with silverware collecting like last year, but it's a hell of a sophomore effort when every team's gunning for you. Yeah. When, when, when you. When you're usually a mid-level team, and you have a magical season. The magic A goes away a lot just by fate, but B on top of that, everyone's gunning for you because no one wants to see it happening. And then every team put in money and coaches and effort. Yep. I mean, every team, not that they were embarrassed, but every team's like, we let Leicester beat us in our league this year. And so that <laughs> happens by every time they play someone this season, they're the champs. You always go after the champs big, especially when it's a team who is getting used to what Champions League life is like and players who don't, who've never played in the spot. Wes Morgan's always been an underdog. Party's always been an underdog. Now it's like, no, now you're the freaking big dog. You're the big dog. So now, and, and so now it's time for them to kind of gut chat and react. It's like, yeah, we got to get something out of this season. If we win the FA Cup, and the main goals don't get relegated, funny enough, which is their usual goal. But then it's like, when, let's try winning the FA Cup then and winning the Champions League, and that'd still be a hell of a season. It's like, you finished 14th in the table, right, but we won a double, so... What, and we're still in the Premier League, so what do you care? We'll, we'll you know, see, that, we'll, we'll see yeah, what happens we're... with Leicester. It'll, it'll be fun to watch, definitely. Let's move yeah, on to I'm the, calling to, semis. I'm we'll, calling let's the move semis on to the last shot. game that we have here in the weekend round of all right, guys. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool West Ham. Let, let's just uh, let's just start with Jeff here. Liverpool. Do we have to? Yes. <laughs> still going through my 12 stages of grief, so I think I'm on like six or seven at this point. <laughs> Get angry later on, which you don't want to be around for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Liverpool, obviously, with City going through their bad run of form and United been stuck in that gear for better part of the first half of the season, this is Liverpool's. So rocket ship setting all kinds of records for run of form, for pace, for miles ran in a match, kilometers in their case. It had to slow down at some point, and so it did. And we've seen spurts. With Lillana coming back from international break twice, a couple draws that come out of that, the next match, literally. So those were minor blips. Now you've got a serious bad run of form that Klopp is going to have to address. He's going to have to address in player development. He's going to have to do it in potentially the transfer market, which is my hope in January. But notoriously a bad time to be acquiring new players. And... The team just needs to improve. The performance on the pitch has got to match. And this one, unfortunately, another example of leaky defense and an inexperienced keeper in, in Karius. Now, of the two goals, you've got the first one that came via the greatest set-piece 
striker that the Premier League has at this <laughs> right point. Right now, <laughs> yes. Payet, right. And, you know, here's another example. West Ham, they were on a terrible run of form most of the first half. And they're, like, hanging on for dear life right at the edge for their coach and for the side itself. Who knows? Maybe this draw ended up, you know, it's going to launch a good run of form for them. But they've been struggling with it, too. They come in, Payette delivers as he usually does, and you can fault Karius for being a little too far to the right, leaving way too much in the near side of the post for Payette to do what he did. And he ended up getting a finger on it, so it tells you that there was some alignment problems there, potentially. On the wall, Lalana was the only one out of the wall not to jump, and the ball went over him. Klopp dismisses any criticism there, because how could you you predict that the ball was going to exactly go there and that he would be the one not to jump. So just to chance, but all of the press, negative press in the media about Karius being a young goalkeeper, that he's not showing what Klopp was hoping would show at this point. And, you know, the mistakes in the back, you know, from Neville, from the <laughs> back and forth. I kind of like that actually. Uh, Karius responding to Gary Neville and his criticism with, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he was a coach for five minutes at Valencia, and now he's back to being an expert again. I, I love that, by the way. So, you know, good on you. And I don't think these were catastrophic mistakes for Karius, but it's been a couple poor games in a row. I was hoping to see, like, a highlight out of this one for him to make a statement about him as in the starting role. Now you're, after Bournemouth and after this loss, or excuse me, this draw, you know, both winnable games, two weeks in a row, what do you do? Do you sit him? Do you, you know, have him continue? Do you coach through it? But no. One thing one thing is for certain, Liverpool cannot leak goals their way to a title or even top four finish. It just isn't going to happen. You know, you bring up a good point. I'm, Q, if you have uh, maybe an idea of, of, of what's going on with Karius, would, would you sit him? Would you bring back Mignolet? Well, I mean, honestly, I always hated coaching styles like this, but when you have a young guy like that in a new league, you I mean, it's worth thinking about. It's worth pulling it out there to him and going, Hey, I like that you respond to Neville, but you you don't you don't need to even be taking that to bother you. You need to own this thing. And part of it is I, I don't know I don't know the guy and I and I've never really coached soccer, so I don't know how guys react, but sometimes it might turn into a whole competition where it's like, listen to me. You need this. You need to show out, you know, by Boxing Day in the New Year's game. Otherwise, Mignolet was the goalie and was the dude the year we had this club had it won before Gerard tripped over a ball and Crystal Palace was ruining dreams. It's like he's good enough to win the Premier League. He's he's shown that in the two or three years that they have been right at the top of the tail. It's like Mignolet, say whatever you want about the weird things he does at times and, and whatever and and how <laughs> odd he is, but. He's proven that he can be the keeper on a team to win it with the right guys around him, and the team has the right guys around him. So uh, it'd be one thing to say, "Hey, I brought you in. We're, we are getting flack. We're, I'm going to ride the storm out a little bit, but you got to give me a, a reason to keep you in there." Because, like I said, Mingle has proven that he can do it. I mean, the guy is bold enough to say he should be the Belgian keeper and gets in arguments like Cotois all the time, even like when they're in camp, that he's better than. And the guy's confident, and usually, like I said, has proven at least enough to show he can do it. So that that's what I'd say about him, but. Yeah, if I was Liverpool, yeah. If I was Liverpool or Liverpool fans, though, honestly, I mean, you look at the last few games, man. I it would kind of run to don't panic. You know, it was a bad loss to Bournemouth. That one was was worse, I think. But it's like West Ham in their struggles, admittedly, have 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 been sorry. 
They're a good team. They finished in the top five last year. I think. That, I mean, I don't remember where Liverpool finished last year. They maybe finished ahead of Liverpool. You know, and they were losing, and they come back and you know, Matip hits the freaking crossbar on a header that 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 looked like it was going in for sure. Divock or Origi keeps his form form going and shows how dangerous he can always be by scoring to get you know. I know there was still a whole half left, but you know, you're down. You had a bad game last week. They didn't pack it in. They were in there fighting and trying to get at it the whole time. They've had two bad games since September. I know they're still six points down because that's how the Premier League works sometimes, unfortunately. But, I mean, you've lost two games all season. It's like, let's not panic. You know, depending on who's played what or who's playing when, the next time we play Chelsea, we got, you know, we have to, we, we, we got to win. The next time we play Arsenal, we got to win. And right there, you're back at the top of the table. Then it turns into make draws against good teams, you know, make plays against bad teams and make sure we win them. I and, yeah, I definitely wouldn't panic. There's there's plenty of flashes of greatness, and if the biggest issue is our goalkeeper might be young, if that's the worst thing you're talking about out of it, it's like, okay, the goalkeeper's either going to age in the next few games with great talent in front of him, or we'll just put Mignolet back in and give that kid another half season to get acclimated to this league, which sometimes you got to do, and by next season, win the whole damn thing, sell off Mignolet for a ton of money if you think if you think the kid's ready, and then let the kid roll. Right. I mean, that. That's what I think. I mean, I, I, I'm, 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 I actually, I, think... uh, I actually like uh, what uh, what Q had to say. Maybe calming down some uh, some Liverpool supporters out there. Jeff, final thoughts, really quick. Uh, final thoughts are you have two keepers on the squad for reason for competition. So I think now is actually a good moment to bring Mignolet in, and I am far from any anyone that would be considered a Mignolet supporter. I've I know the sample size. I know his gaffes. You could bring him in and he could end up being as bad or worse than Carius. But it might make sense at this point, heading into January, where he's going to end up playing domestic cup games anyway. Might be the time for him to see some minutes and see some minutes in the Premier League, not just domestic cups. So it, it wouldn't shatter necessarily Carius's uh, confidence. I thought it would if they were to sit him before ha- the West Ham game. Now, might make sense. All right, that's it. That's it for the weekend roundup. Let's go over points really quick. Since there's only two of us today, well, two of you, uh, two panelists on here today, there won't be an elimination, but there will be an advantage going into debate. Jeff with 12 points, Q with 11. Not bad, fellas. Let's move on to uh, what I like to think is a more comedic section. Five-word advice. Thea Walcott's wife challenged him to get 10 goals before Christmas. She said she would buy him a new coffee machine. So guess what he did? He reached the tally earlier this week, well, this past weekend. Was happy on uh, to celebrate it on Twitter by saying top of the table tonight because Arsenal did go top after their win on Saturday and a new coffee machine, married couple goals or what, guys? Uh, her motivation for Theo Walcott was obviously far more effective than what uh, what Wagner had done years prior. So, what five word advice could you give um, Arson to get more from his players, such as like apparently uh, Theo Walcott's wife was able to go? So, um, Jeff, let's go ahead and start with you. Five word advice for Arson. For Arson, very specifically, show baby's got back. And I'm saying maybe you want to dress up like the wife, maybe some <laughs> short drimpses. I'm not saying that, that Wenger and men are necessarily Walcott's thing, but it, if it helps, it helps. So <laughs> it's style it out, bro. I like that. Q. Um, if I had to give him five words of advice, it's going to be the same thing that I usually say about Wenger on, this po- on these postings, too, is, Block out the haters, do you. The guy is a fantastic coach. This isn't the first time Walcott's done had a great first half of a season or played well. I mean, 
He's coached the kids since academy level and got him on the English national team at 16. I mean, he can get it out of the kid, but they've gone through a lot of injuries and formation changes and guys changing around. It, it, it goes back to what I'd always say if I was on a stairs. It's like, you coached a, a season in this league where you didn't lose a game. Just go back to what the good energy you were channeling <laughs> in there, and I'm sure you'll be fine. We might be missing a Tyrion Ree, but... I mean, Ozil's still a playmaker. Sanchez is still a playmaker. They're not the same guys, but you have dudes who can play it. Just alter the form. You've been doing this for a while last time I checked. I'm pretty I, yeah, sure but, you can make it work. But I don't know. I, I guess maybe maybe he just needs to change up the coffee inside of uh, inside of the cafeteria. That's apparently all that uh, Theo Walcott Wal- Wal- needed from you know his wife offering him a new coffee machine. So Well, 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 well if he needs motivation, if, if, if it takes simple motivation like that, bankers should just walk in and go, Score three goals there. I'm selling you to Burnley, damn it, and then just walk <laughs> away and just literally have the paper there. Go, this will go in the fats if you don't score. You know you what? I think that I think that five word advice was actually better than than uh, do you, Wagner. Just I'll sell you to Burnley. Not not, not to hate on Burnley for anybody, but when it comes to prestige, <laughs> at least as we, I've talked about a lot, he'd be like Burnley. Oh, and he'd be like, all right, well, I better get it going then. I want to go to Burnley. Jeff, your thoughts on Burnley going to Burnley? Would would that motivate you? <laughs> I don't think it's the Burnley that motivated him, nor the coffee maker. I mean, these are rich guy games where you pick an innocuous object that's twenty nine nine ninety nine or less and <laughs> have a battle about it. But let's let's be honest, it's more about Mrs. Walcott. That's I think the motivation here. I think so too, Jeff. Good points. Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Go for goal or go for the goal. We got three topics today. Let's go ahead and start with this first one. Middle Bros, Stuart Downey was showing his mistakes on tape after knocking on his manager's door and asking why he was not playing. Good strategy for this level of savage from the manager or not. Go for goal, go for the corner flag, Jeff. Too easy. Yes, you, I mean, it's go for goal all day long. Duh. We live in an analytics-driven world. There's cameras from every angle. Like, you want more playing time? Let me show you the reasons why you're not getting it. And let's be real about it. Let's not have opinions. Let's look at facts and go for goal vociferously in this case. <laughs> Q, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I'm going for goal too big on this. I mean, I coach fo- football, yes. you know, American football. Well, it's not the same, but but it, it's the same reason. Hey, why aren't, why aren't I playing? Because you're not going to help the team win as much as the other guys right now. That's literally the best way to Now, his level of savage, I mean – I just, been, I, I thought, so. I look personally, I, I was the one who put that in there, so it, it might have just been a real big miss. But I just, I thought it was hilarious when I read this article saying that Stuart Downey when he knocked on his manager's door, and his manager's like, "Yeah, go ahead, come and sit down, and I'm gonna show you exactly why." Because you always seem to get the the runaround for managers. That's what seems to happen all the time. Right. Well, well, and and that's the thing because. Because Stuart Downing admittedly would get playtime more on merit at times. I bet right now than. Than his current form, especially on like a team with some hungry Middlesbrough guys. I mean, they don't have terrible players there. Gaston Ramirez is there, Victor Valdez is there. Is there? I mean, they have guys who want to go out there and compete and make that club a good club. Especially with with Leicester's anything can happen mentality. My dad doesn't even watch a ton of stuff. So I was joking that he was going to just put his money on Middlesbrough before the season started. <laughs> so I mean, and yeah, these guys want to go out there and make an impact. So so showing the video. I mean, he's an old season guy. I don't think. If it was like a 23-year-old kid, if it was like the Liverpool goalie, if he, if, if he gets sat for Mignolet, then he'd be like, well, watch yourself, you know? Someone like Stewart, maybe it's a little much on the showing, but I'm still going for the, 
for goal on on the whole thing. Uh-huh. You're still you're still you're a big influence on the club. You're you know you 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 were here before when we were big. You come back now and you know you're a club favorite. But I got to see more at you. You know so. And maybe maybe video is the only way Stewart learns. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Well, I, you know what? Good on the manager, giving them some tape so that that Downey knows exactly why he uh, he was sitting. I'm sure a lot of Liverpool supporters could have shown him tape as to why he shouldn't have been starting when he was at Liverpool. So let's go on to the next topic, guys. Jeff did allude to this earlier in the recent loss against Leicester. Man City Man City manager Pep had this to say: "I am not a coach for the tackles. I don't train for tackles." What I want is to try to play well and score goals. What are tackles, said the city boss. You have to win duels. That is true. But normally when you play well, you win tackles. But after four minutes at 2-0, the mind of the player is what is going on, what happened. I want to know if you think he was being maybe a bit cheeky, if he was was being trying to be a bit clever, because obviously he knows what tackles are. Let's go ahead and start with you, Q. Go for goal, go for the corner flag on what Pep said, and was was he being serious? I'm going to the corner flag with prejudice, and I don't care if you're serious or not. Because here's the problem. Just like Man United, people pay you a boatload of money, specifically you, and you're spending a boatload of their money to have a contender and a winner. And regardless of Leicester's standing, on paper, you just lost to a team that's the that's 14th on the freaking table. And they didn't just beat you. They spanked the hell out of you. They out-hustled you. You had the ball and did fancy passing for 80, 78% of the game and then got your ass handed to you, and that's the joke you're going to come with. Start making tackles. This is English soccer. There's normal soccer. Start. You got to make tackles. Don't joke about not making tackles. Don't get cheeky about it. playing it light, light with the form that they've had and the struggles after the things he has said. It's like no. It's like tell us you're gonna tell either convince us it's fine by by talking real real quick and going with it or 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 get ready to make changes. But yeah, if I if I was a fan, I'd be frustrated. If, if I was a player, especially English players, because you know. I know that there's no Joey Barton's much anymore in on Man City or anywhere else, however, but there's a guy like that on every team that, that, that usually is required to win games, you know, that needs to be physical. And his only job is to make tackles. It's not to win duels. It's not to, you know, it's not to score goals or, or make passes. It's like the West Brom thing. Say what you want about Pulis, but he still coaches like nine Premier League teams in his career for a reason, and his teams always stay up for a reason. It's like, no, you got to play defense and make tackles here. And, and it's, it can't be classic Spanish soccer that I joke about where like, the Spanish national team wins 80% of their games, but the second they go down 1-0, the game's pretty much over because they can't score, score anymore to win. You know, they can't get anyone, you know, they can't score on someone once they get down. It's the same thing. I, I, I wouldn't make jokes about that, you know, based on, on the form. I would have rather, based on the question, I would rather just got him and said, Hey, I teach, you know, I teach football the way it's meant to be win. You can check my resume and I would have flipped the mic over and walked out before I made jokes about, well, what are tackles and what's this and that? Da, 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 da. It's like, it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, get it, get your ass out there. It's like teaching tackles and then worry about goals. Let Jeff get in on this. I know, I know he's itching to get on this, Jeff. And now, yeah, I could talk. It's like, it's like, pardon the interruption. You just, it's only when you allow me to talk that I can talk. Um, <laughs> there's really not much more that can be said about this. I mean, world, class best manager in the world i've been talking about this since time zero i'm kind of with q on this like if you're gonna be the best prove it and here you are in Premier league and you've got the most expensive defense in the world and they're not defending that's your first problem and then secondly up and down the pitch playing right into leicester city's hands just that's bad managing he got out coached unfortunately and the comment about like you know, tackling or not, I think he was trying to go highbrow. And what's funny is like most of the media have no idea what, how to interpret what he said. 
And yes, he could have been going cheeky or it could be revealing his hubris that he thinks he could skate right through Premier League given his experience at Barcelona and then, of course, at Bayern. Not the case, bro. This is a tackle-heavy, you know, highly competitive league, top to bottom. And you gotta, you gotta rise to the occasion. It's, you know, Mourinho for all of his bluster won the title for Chelsea a couple of years ago with defense. It wasn't with like insane attacking. It was like because the spine, the back end of his defense was world class, was uh, best in the Premier League. So he's got to get used to that. And I mean, I'm sure he's getting a ration of it. He's gonna get a ration of it week after week going forward. That's right. Pep, continue to learn from your mistakes. All right, let, let's move on to topic three, guys. Final topic here and go for go, go for the corner flag. When you hear the name New York Cosmos, you immediately think of what? Pele, the brightest football team in the USA of old. Cosmos reformed again in uh, five years ago. But as of now, because of some issues, they have no team. They have no stadium. They're, they're still technically an organization, but they just don't have anything that makes them a football team. So when speaking of the possibility of bringing the New York Cosmos to the MLS, uh, Commissioner Don, uh, Don Garber said no. No place in the MLS for troubled, co- troubled Cosmos. I don't know. Do you go for go, go for the corner flag? It's a team that has some history. Let's go ahead and start with you, Q. I got to go for the corner flag, but it's kind of it's a double-ended sword kind of thing. The New York Cosmos, I will go for the corner flag and bring them to the MLS. Now, the reason why is because I go to the corner flag on Don Garber in this case because he's done a great job boosting. He's like, I am an MLS guy. My team is the LA Galaxy. For people who don't know know that, we, we don't always stress those, those things here, and I know I'm not supposed to use my, but the team I, I, I go and see and I watch and I follow the most out of anywhere outside of the Premier League, of course, but the team I follow in more than any team in the Premier League is the Galaxy. I'm a, I'm a Galaxy guy. And I like some of the things he's done with the league, but the mistake that was made with the New York Cosmos was five years ago. When they wanted to bring them back, they should have said, you're the second New York franchise with the Red Bulls. Not We're going to make some random, wacky team that plays in Yankee Stadium out of left field, literally because they play at Yankee Stadium, coming out of left field in, in New York FC, and Man City's going to own 80%. Right? They should have just let the Cosmos be the other MLS team. I mean, they're letting Minnesota in this coming season. They just created a, a, a franchise in Atlanta. And, and yeah, that that's where the whole thing was wrong. But that's why I have to go corner flag. I don't have a choice because I like the Cosmos. But I don't have a choice. You can't have three teams in New York. Getting a one team in an MLS market right now is hard enough. It was ballsy to bring two in there, especially with, when the Chivas experiment failed. It's been ballsy to bring another LA team in. And when you read most of the comments on LAFC, everyone's like, why? We have a team. It's the Galaxy. Or no one's going to go to these games because we're Galaxy fans. And if the Galaxy don't sign anyone to make up for their losses, they might be in for a rude awakening. But if they bring in people like they always do, then they're right. I think Garber in some ways has, has boosted this league up fantastically. And in other ways, he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. Like he's adding to the tower, but then pulling shit from the bottom of it and then is ending up in the same spot. It's slowly becoming too many teams, too many, too many markets are becoming diluted. And the cause was our It's Like that should have been one of the first things you brought back when you made the league. Should have been a team you brought back when they wanted to come back. And now they've ceased operations because, yeah, I can't have a third New York team. Having two is hard enough, especially when we play in a baseball stadium for one of them. So, so yeah. Like the Cosmos, like half of what Garber's doing, but the other half is why I have to go for the corner flag. Gotcha. Jeff, your thoughts? Not that far off. I'm a corner flag as well, but for a different reason. Number one, Cosmos would be great in the MLS, but I think what MLS is missing, and this is everybody knows this, very obvious, we're missing first division, second division, and relegation 
And, and I know this is more to do with critical mass, getting MLS on, on the map and getting them competing like they haven't before, uh, getting drawn the people into the stadiums. So that's cool. They've done that. They've gotten the all the retirees from every great team on the planet, Gerard and, uh, and Lampard and uh, Pirlo. Thank you. Bringing all the stars in, got the butts and seats. And I think they now need to, and I know the league wasn't necessarily set up this way, but it, they should move in the future to first division and second division. Cosmos would be brilliant for second division. Like given their history, you know, why don't you sign Cristiano Ronaldo, overpay for him, like, get taxes, his own personal tax liability down to the levels that Pele was at. Like, let's relive that. That would be amazing. Like, Pele was signed as a recording artist for Atlantic Records. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> so I, I bring all these funny themes back. It's like the semi, if you've seen that movie Semi-Pro, like, let, let's have a little bit of that flair with the Cosmos and have him compete as a second division. Like, make NASL like a real, a real second division where you know, bad teams from MLS get relegated and vice versa. The best teams go up. Yeah. I mean, h half the teams that have been called up in the last five years are from that league anyways. I, I agree with you on that. They need to get to that point eventually. Yep. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead. I, I don't think personally not being so learned in what Garber has been doing for the MLS. I just, I think what pissed me off was when he, he didn't let Donovan go to Everton because he said that he was an MLS player. So after that, I don't think I've had much, positive thoughts to think about him but you know we'll see we'll see where this league goes that's the end though for go for go go for the corner flag points after that is actually we're dead even on uh these past couple of segments so jeff uh, keeps his lead he's now at 19 and q has 18 so jeff you go in with the advantage here as we go into our final segment it is the final say this is the final say we are going to be talking about important players on teams casa for chelsea kane for spurs Coutinho for Liverpool, Ozil for Arsenal. These men could all be argued that they're most important player on the pitch for their respective teams. I want to know who you think Manchester City's best player, most influential player is and why. Let's go ahead and start with you, Jeff, since you have the advantage. To answer this question, there's a lot of possibles. There's uh, Kuniguero could be their MVP all day long because you could put him on any pitch in the world. Textbook definition of world-class. He can score. He's just a scoring machine. Put him in a vacuum, he'd still score. But I, for me, the MVP on this side, and you've got a lot of expensive players in that pitch, as we've discussed, it's Kevin De Bruyne. There's just no way around it. When he's in the side, and yes, he struggles with injury from time to time, there's such difference in how like the passing, the flow of the offense to the front, front of the part of the final third. I mean... He has the most brilliant uh, leading passes of anybody on that team and creates the most chances, the crosses that are most effective. I just don't know how you pick anyone else but De Bruyne on that pitch on their side. Good call, Jeff. Uh, Q, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go, and he's been he's hurt a lot, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with uh, Vincent Company when he's freaking healthy because every time he's hurt since he's been there annoyed, they struggle. I mean... I don't know who their captain officially is these days, but last last I checked, he still is the captain when he's healthy. Every time he's good for Belgium and Man City, they are on a whole nother level. And every time he is hurt, they struggle. And when your coach apparently doesn't want to practice tackling anymore, joking or not, uh, he usually he usually doesn't struggle as much with four two losses when 
than than Sam Company is healthy and, and in there. It's hard to say he's the MVP because he is hurt often, and every season, like he can't get through a season without being hurt. But the years he's not hurt and is competing, they win silverware every single time. And and yeah, if you're gonna get a coach who wants to be possession, finesse passes and shots, that is where where De Bruyne shines, of course, and, and is absolutely necessary for that game plan. But I don't think it works without that captain stalwart who has been. And that's the other thing. He's been in the he's been on this team almost longer than everybody, and he got there the second they were committed to start spending money and being a big club for the first time in a long time. And he's been the guy. He's always been there. He knows how the game works. He knows how the system works there. And I think I think he I think I still think he's the key to everything. I know he's thirty and I know he's hurt, but when he's healthy and can get in there, I think I, I think he's the absolute key. But he, it's hard for him to be a symbol because he's a defensive player. Right. So, you, and you know what? It, those are good points, Q. The only thing I'm not sure how company would would if he were healthy would be able to play in a, in a pep system, and not only that, but they I never like Bravo, and I feel as though company would be trying to fix not only the back line but also trying to cover up for Bravo's mistakes. I honestly agree with Jeff. I think De Bruyne is a little yeah. bit more of an MVP for Man right. City. I'm glad you didn't say Cunaguero because the guy's just been very inconsistent with his suspension and his injuries. It's tough. We, we're trying to figure out a solution here for Manchester City. I'm going to be giving it to Jeff here today. Jeff, with the with with the win here on stoppage time for match day 15. Jeff, some time to talk about whatever it is you want. Besides, you know, you want to go to sleep. And thank God and thank all my favorite charities and my parents. Yeah, okay. thanks, Jimmy. It's great to be on with both of you. And Q, once again, it's been a while. So the only thing I've got to plug is... Something that's self-serving for you too, Jimmy. Uh, so on Cafe Football, we've got part two coming up with Steve Nichol and with Mark Donaldson, both authors of Steve Nichol's autobiography, Five League Titles and a Packet of Crisps. Uh, given the part one that was very popular, thank you so much to the Football Purists downloaders for making that a hit. It's going to be even more of a hit by getting the direct feedback from the authors themselves and Stevie that is obviously the core story of the book. So really looking forward to that one. Imagine that it's going to hit in the next probably 10 days. It will be up, uh, ready for your download and enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, we are definitely looking forward to that. And uh, I am very excited to actually be a part of that. So thanks, Jeff, for inviting me on to uh, Cafe Football, as you always seem to do. Of course, buddy. <laughs> All right, You're part guys. of the core team. What can I do? Yeah. <laughs> guys, this is Jimmy. I am your host. I am signing off. As always, I get by with the help of my friends. Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, Jeff underscore Hallett on Twitter with two L's and two T's. They could also find you in New York City right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> Q, where can people find you? I have a uh, Facebook name, Quentin Schoonmaker, and then uh, uh, Instagram, just Q Schoonmaker, just the last name. Uh, and uh, uh, part of Quitside Creations, uh, me and me and what. Me, Jimmy, include again, and one of our other partners. You know, we're, we're planning a lot of big stuff for 2017. So, um, you know, you just search, search and look up that. I'm sure you'll find all the stuff you, you want from us soon enough. That's uh, Quick Side Conversations on uh, iTunes. That's that's the podcast name, right? Right, right. That's the podcast, and then and then yeah, we're hoping to expand from from there with Quick Side Creations. Like Quick Side Conversations is our main baby at the moment. Yes. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for listening. Uh, Stoppage Time FP for Twitter here at, at Stoppage Time. Go ahead and tweet us any questions, anything you got, and uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Until next week, guys, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.